Welcome to the North Sound Church Podcast. For more information about North Sound Church, please visit our website at northsoundchurch.com. Happy birthday, Pastor Barry. (laughs) Good morning, North Sound Church. It is good to be with you all this Christmas morning. And also to those watching us online, I want to extend uh, my Christmas greetings on behalf of me and my family uh, to you all. Um, The North Sound family has indeed been a great blessing to me and to our family. And it is a great privilege I consider to be serving here in that capacity. Um, Thank you, Pastor Barry, for the opportunity. This morning, no matter what you take home from what I speak today, (laughs) the, the most important thing is God is with us, Emmanuel. So if that was the only message you could take home, that would suffice. With that, uh, I would like to, for today's small devotion, um, I can hear the... Okay. <clears throat> so, um, John, the beloved disciple of Jesus Christ, we knew that he was very close to Jesus during his earthly life. And at the close of Jesus' life uh, on the cross, he even entrusts uh, the care of his mother, Mary, to to, to, to disciple John. And we also know that um, after resurrection and the Pentecost, John was one of the uh, pillars of the uh, apostolic church. And uh, he has... um, given us the gospel of the fourth gospel, the gospel of John. He has given us the epistles, and he has also given us the final book, uh, the book of Revelation, according to John. So, and as I was thinking, what do I share with you all today, this morning, and this question, this line of thought came into my head. If we had an opportunity to ask this beloved disciple of Jesus this question, why did Jesus come? What was the reason of this advent? What is the reason behind the Christmas season? Well, if, if this was a question to, uh, to John, and we won't have to make any wild guesses because he has spoken extensively through his text in the Gospel, in the Epistles, and uh, in Revelation. But for the sake of today's short message, uh, I could come up with three and the fourth point of time permits. Uh, to the question, if we, were asked, if, we, if we were to ask John, why did Jesus come? What was the reason of the advent? I believe his first response would be, um, paraphrasing the Gospel of John 17, verses 3, he would say, Jesus Christ came so that we might know the one true God. His definitive answer would be, Jesus Christ came, uh, John's answer would be, Jesus Christ came so that we might know the one true God. We as humans are endowed with uh, faculties of rationality and cognition and moral reasoning and free will. We also live in a world which, um, which, with various philosophies, religious systems, and even men making some astounding claims to be God. Um, and, but John says that Jesus came so that we could know and discern the one true God. In other words, God became man so that men could know God, men could understand God. Uh, We may ask the question, why? It serves two purposes. It would show us that God is our creator. God is our sustainer. And contrary to popular belief, we are not products of a cosmic accident and mindless, indiscriminate interaction of chance, matter, and space. Secondly, 
if we know the one true God, we would also know that God created us in his likeness and his image, and he endowed us with identity, purpose, intrinsic worth, and in the words of our founding fathers, some inalienable rights. So in knowing the one true God, we would know that we are created fearfully and wonderfully by God with fashion in his own image and likeness. This truth of Christmas, this truth of this Advent, of why Christ came to the earth can be a very powerful antidote to our generation and culture who's grappling with basic questions of identity, meaning, self-worth, and purpose. When bedrock definitions of civilizations is up for debate and even redefinition, what is human life? When does it begin? What is a man or a woman? I was surprised we would come up to that point. What is the, what is the definition of a mother or a father? Uh, or even basic societal institutions like marriage and family. It shows the profound and existential crisis a civilization, a culture, a country might be undergoing when a generation loses basic reference points to anchor life and find meaning. John says, Christ came to this earth so that we and all might know the one true God. And in knowing, we might be assured that we are created in his image as men and women endowed with identity, value, purpose, so that we could be fruitful, we could multiply, we could be good stewards of God in this world and bring glory to his name. That was a long answer. <laughs> second question, what would John say secondly? Why did Jesus come on Christmas morning or Christmas Eve? Um, I would go, my, my thought went to the epistle of John, chapter 3, verses 8. First epistle of John, 3, verses 8. The reason the Son of Man appeared was to destroy the devil's work. I was trying to grapple various reasons what John would cite, but my mind intuitively went to this particular thought. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. The advent 2,000 years ago, by his advent, Jesus by his substitutionary atonement and death on the cross, destroyed the power of sin, death, and devil. Now, let me, um, often to the, I don't want to put it like, I wrote often to the liberal and Western mind, or in culture in general, the idea of devil and demon and related concepts are considered to be superstitious relic of a primitive religion, and as viewed with great skepticism and indifference. And any manifestation is often regarded or relegated to the domains of um, psychology, psychosomatic disorders, or psychiatry. While some criticisms may be valid, a blanket denial and lack of discernment in these matters come at a very great cost. When we look at the scripture in Genesis 3, the fall of mankind into sin and rebellion was a result of lack of discernment whose voice to follow. No matter what view we hold, in Genesis 3.13, we see the first mention, I'll, I'll give you a theological term, proto-evangelion. Right in the third chapter of Genesis, the first plan of the gospel, of the good news message, God brings. And God says to the devil incarnate, I will put an enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will crush your head and he will strike you. And you will strike us here. The advent was planned and set into motion through the long course of history for the redemption and restoration of humanity. 
By his advent, he has decisively defeated the devil and stripped him of his power of sin and death. But don't we all often wonder when we see the evil around us? A lot of theories, I cannot go into all of them. But we know, as the scripture testifies, he is a defeated foe, and his destruction awaits a God-ordained time in the future. In the meantime, he lies and he deceives to lead us astray from the central truth of the advent that he has been once and for all, his power has been broken by the work of Jesus Christ. Uh, I'll just bring three points on this matter. At times, evil manifests overtly with great power and wickedness. Of all the places, I saw this while I was in a medical school dorm, holding on to a leg of a friend of mine who was trying to jump from a six-story six building. I can't go more into the details. Other times, we humans serve as passive enablers for this devil, not holding, unable to hold to the promises and truth of the scripture, we give in to the lies and the deception of the devil. And we give in to feelings like fear, anger, anxiety, doubt, pride, greed, bitterness, apathy, and all of the things that Jesus says that comes from the heart of man. And still other times, humans become active agents of evil by perpetuating horrifying violence, oppression, abuse, murder, and genocide. Nevertheless, the truth of the Advent story still stands. It's only, only its meaningful appropriation and practice in our lives, and collectively as the body of Christ, can, this, can the, both we and the church as a collective can be a moral restra restraint that can stem the downward tide of a culture. More laws, more prescription medication, more counseling, more incar incarceration, more rehabilitation would not seem to help. We need to come back to the advent truth. The foe of our souls and of our salvation has been defeated by Jesus Christ by his advent 2,000 years ago. My last point, John would say, Jesus came so that we might have. Any thoughts? that we might have abundant life. And I, I paraphrase this from John chapter 10, verses 10. Again, it's the verse starts, interestingly, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. What does John mean by abundant life? Uh, lots to say, but I'll just give a quick definition. Abundant life is a life built on a relationship with Jesus, centered in the will and call of God for our lives, and a life that is ever transforming from its cardinal nature to the nature and resent, uh, to the nature of Christ. Abundant life, as stated by John, is not necessarily the net sum of our material possessions or academic credentials, social or financial standing, and not even the longevity of our years, the years we live. But rather, it is a well-informed life lived in the pursuit of God, His will, and being transformed to be Christ-like in the process. It may or may not entail some collateral losses. My case in point is Paul, a devout Jew, well-versed in Hebrew language and Judaism, a Roman citizen with all the rights and well-versed in Greek and Greek philosophy, history, a self-made man with impeccable credentials and zeal. Philippians 3, 4, I've never seen a man so confident. As far as the law, I am blameless. That's what Paul says. <laughs> But on the road to Damascus, Paul has an advent in his life. He encounters Jesus, and his life is forever changed. The relationship with God, 
for him now is grace through faith and not mere observation of laws. He actively responds to the call of God in his life to be Christ's ambassador to the nations of the world. And eventually we see a transformation of Saul, the persecutor of Christ, to Paul, the apostle of Christ. In retrospect, had Paul continued his old life between Tarsus and Jerusalem, his life would have been of great comfort, ease, stability, social standing, acclaim, and he could have been a possible candidate for the Jewish Sanhedrin. He had those credentials. But we know his story as he cites in 2 Corinthians 11:16. He mentions the persecution, the imprisonment, the beatings, the death threats, the deprivation of basic necessities and more. And as he pens his last prison letters, he contemplates his life, having lived since knowing Christ on the road to Damascus. And he's able to write with restraining his tears to Timothy, but with great hope and tenacity, he writes, I have fought the good faith, I have finished the race, and I've kept the faith. Paul, I believe, before his dying moments, his mind would have been centered on Christ and his church. But little did he know that God would use his life, his trials, his travels, his preaching, his letters to glorify Christ and to build his church for 2,000 years and counting. Only in eternity, Paul will truly know the grace of God in his life. Christ enabled Paul on the road to Damascus to live an abundant life. The Advent truth is that he intends the same for you and for me. My last point. There's no finality to the Christian life on this side of eternity. As each of us completes our race here on earth, we will be beset with some trials, some very tough questions which tug on to our hearts and doesn't seem to resolve. Lord, why me? Why dad? Why my child? It could be a medical diagnosis. It could be an unexpected passing of a loved one. It could be a life-altering accident, a trauma, a sexual abuse, a betrayal, broken marriage, spouse, or a child walking away from faith. The list is endless. This is my first Christmas without my dad, who left to be with the Lord in August. For the past two years, his medical condition affected his memory, his personality, and he was changed as a person. And due to some unexpected problems with the US counselors in India, I could not even go home to, for his funeral. And these why questions began overwhelming me. I believe we all have those why questions. And let me just come to the point. And God spoke to me and said, Finney, the last time you touched and you spoke to your dad, he was in a weak, frail body disoriented and sick. The next time you see your dad, he'll be in a glorified body and a sound mind, and he'll see you and he'll recognize you. John writes again in the Gospel in chapter 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also be where I am. And this beloved disciple, in his last writing to us and to the church, writes, he writes about that place. Look at this. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them, 
they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death, mourning, or crying, or pain. All the old things shall pass, and behold, I will make everything new. This is the Advent. The first Advent, or the Christmas, laid the foundation for a glorious Advent that we can all look forward to. And as we approach that day, we can carry our questions, our heartaches, and all those difficult moments, which has a, tem which has a temporal dimension, but we can rest be assured that God cares about them, and that he will have the final word on all of these questions and bring it to a, good, a great, grand, glorious closure. Jesus came to earth so that we may know the one true God who created us and loved us. Jesus came to earth to once and for all destroy the arch enemy of our soul and our salvation. We no longer have to fall for his lies and his deception. Jesus came to earth so that we may live abundant life, developing the fullest potential God has endowed us with, pursuing his will and being a blessing to others. And the greatest, Jesus will come back again to take us to a place where questions will cease and only joyful praise linger for eternity. These are the Christmas and Advent truths that John, the beloved disciple of Jesus, would like us to reflect, celebrate, and share with our friends and our loved ones. God bless you. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Thank you, Finney. That was an amazing summary of, uh, of, of the history of the world, really, going back to uh, Adam and Eve and sin, why Jesus came, and the second advent, Finney, that we look forward to and how we live in the meantime. Thank you for that wonderful summary this morning. Uh, this week, or the last couple of weeks, um, I came across a beautiful picture that I think summarizes what Pastor Finney shared with us and may remind you, <clears throat> excuse me, of his talk this morning. And uh, you need to Google it because I didn't, I didn't bring the image in with me, but it's the most amazing image of Mary comforting Eve. Some of you may have seen it over the last couple of weeks. It was, it was painted by a, a nun, a Catholic nun, and uh, it has a very pregnant Mary and it has Eve facing her, and, and, uh, and Eve has her hand on Mary's very pregnant tummy, and Mary is actively comforting Eve. It's a, it's a beautiful summary of what Pastor Finney has shared with us this morning, of the results of sin as a result of the fall, and the wonderful hope that we have in, uh, in Jesus Christ.